Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. And we thank you as we finish this series on the healing bread, Father. We thank you uh, that we will not be the same, that uh, destinies will be changed today in various ways. And we give you praise and glory for that, Father. Uh, Healings, physical healings. Father, we even thank you for emotional things where people have had uh, instability with emotions, Father. Just complete wholeness and healing in the name of Jesus. If you can agree with that, can you say amen? I was at a conference this week and um, and, and, uh, started Monday night and finished on Thursday night. And uh, there was a, a guy that was there and he's known as a revivalist, you know. And one of the things that he said that I liked, and I think that our church should grab onto this, he made this statement about revival. He said, the greatest threat to revival is that you think that revival hasn't started in your church. And then he was just talking about, you know, well, what, what is revival? And, you know, he, and he made a good point. He said, you know, when somebody gets saved and somebody gets healed, that's a big thing. And I thought, you know, we've been having salvations and healings going on for quite a while, but he, here's the point that he made. People come from other, from, you know, people come, everybody in this room, including myself, we all came from a different experience and so for some people they think you know and you know like they had experience in a in a certain way that they thought well that's revival and then others think well that's revival and then others think that's revival and he made a very good point saying you have to clear your mind from all past experiences and and accept the fact of where you are right now and he made a big deal out of the fact that hey when somebody does get and we've had a rash of healings recently just and, and even people getting saved so let, let's just thank God for what's going on and let's let's just say hey we are in revival thank God for that we are in revival and we're, we're thankful for that so here's the scripture we've been using in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 26 uh, it says but he answered and said it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs and we made this point that the dogs were the Gentiles the children are the Jews and the bread is healing And that's what that's talking about. So hence we're doing this on the healing bread. And then we ask this question, like who are the children today? And our answer is the church. We have become the children. And so we can say this safely today. The children are Christians and the bread is healing. So that's kind of how we started off this series about seven or eight weeks ago. And today is the last day. So we said this, that bread is like a staple food and so it's an everyday food so really when the bible says uh talking about jesus said that healing is the children's bread he's basically saying that you can expect to have a daily life where you have healing and every day it's the children's bread so god he doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber and god is wanting you to be whole and well every day he wants to take daily pains away so I, I even got this, during, this happened during praise and worship, and I believe the Lord wants this shared, you know, uh, for, for um, the second service, the 1030 service also, 
but the Lord spoke this to me right when I was standing there during a worship today. And he said this about allergies. So I don't know how many people we have in here with allergies. You know, I don't know how many years ago, um, when we first, it was 10 years ago, as a matter of fact, when we first moved to Australia, and I would wake up in the morning feeling great. And uh, I was a little bit skinnier back then. Uh, and, and, and I felt great. And me and Patsy would get up and we'd go for a walk, you know, and, and feeling so great. And then like around two and three in the afternoon, I felt terrible every day. My joint, everything was hurting. My, my, I just had pain all over my body, my joints, everything. And it was just like, whoa, I just, you know, it, it hurt so bad. And I, I didn't know why that was going on. And I thought, you know, I get up in the morning and I feel great. So I went to this, um, it's kind of like, you know, the Dutch or, and uh, Germans, they, they're, they're ahead of a lot of people with medical things. So somebody said you could go to this, uh, there's, there's uh, the Dutch invented this, I think, but it's a machine where they put clips on your toes, your big toes, and then they put them on your fingers, you know, and they run currents through your body, and it's, there's a computer, and it, and it tells you everything about your body. So I had good news that my organs were all well and healthy. That was good to hear. But then they can tell you every allergy that's in your body. So I, they told me I was allergic to all dairy products except butter. And then I was allergic to macadamia nuts, uh, um, trying to think of pecans, not, you know, and they, they, they had a list of everything. And, and chicken, chicken. And I was, you know, I had a report oh, about 12 years ago that I was on the verge of getting sugar diabetes. So the way, and they said you got to cut sugar out and bring your carbs down and you got to lose some weight or you're going to have sugar. So the way that I did that is I had chicken, I had chicken breasts every single day in salads and I brought my weight down and I got out of danger for sugar diabetes. But what happened is the doctor said you, have be, you made yourself allergic to chicken, you know. No, I should, but um, <laughs> and and and, uh, and I, I could. So they, he said, "You can't eat chicken." He said, "But if if you stay away from it for a couple years, um, he said, eventually you'll be able to go back and eat it." Uh, and that's the way the I guess that's the way the body works. But as soon as I cut chicken out, you know, especially that, especially right here, these joints right here would just by two in the afternoon every single day they would just hurt so bad, you know. And uh, it stopped, and, and, and like, it seemed like my body was getting tight, real tightness all over my body. That stopped too. And so, and so but here, here's what I want to say, and here's what the Lord said to me when I was just standing there during worship about allergies and how to deal with them. He gave me four things. So if you, have, uh, you know, can relate to what I just shared, here's four things. He said, number one, he said, stay away from the culprits uh, until healing comes. So for me, I did stay away from what I was told to stay away from when I first heard that. But, um, but then you can do it two ways. You can wait for your body to recover and not be allergic. There's, that's fine. I can have a piece of chicken now and I don't have all that going on. Uh, but then you could also do this. You, he said this, number one, stay away from those things. Number two, don't say I am allergic. The doctor might tell you you are but don't claim it and make it yours. And then number three, don't be afraid of what you are allergic to. And then the last one, number four, say instead, 
I am healed of all allergies. And he just gave me those four points right there. I thought, boy, those are four easy points. You know, for, you know it's, it's okay to stay away from it until healing happens. Don't, sit, don't claim it and say, I am, because as soon as you do that, you take it and it's yours then. And then number three, don't be afraid of what you're allergic to. I was afraid of chicken for a little while because the pain that came into my body couldn't do that to you. You know, and I, and I can't be afraid. So it, it's like, it was a real thing the first time I thought, I went somewhere and they made chicken and I did not want to claim that I was allergic to it and I didn't want to explain anything. So I, I thought, oh my, I, I'm going to eat a piece. I don't know how I'm going to feel after, but I'm going to eat a piece of chicken. And I did and nothing happened. Praise the Lord. But you know, you can actually develop a fear. And so the Lord's saying, don't claim it. Don't say it. Don't be afraid, <laughs> you know. And, and then uh, instead say that I am healed of all allergies, okay? So that just came fresh. That was hot off the uh, press. Pr yeah, hot off the press from the Lord, okay? <laughs> okay, so today we want to talk about the laying on of hands, okay? And, uh, and I'm so glad that, uh, that so many came out today at the early service to hear this because I think it's so important the laying on a hand. So this, this, uh, a traveling minister said this many years ago concerning the laying on a hands. Uh, he said, uh, the Lord spoke to me about a ministry of the laying on of hands. And a minister friend said to me about laying on of hands, I backed off from it, even though God used me in it some, uh, because some of the brethren didn't understand it, and I didn't want to make a doctrine out of it. So this, there's, some, so there's like this thing the fear, so I stopped laying hands on people because I didn't want to make a doctrine out of it. And so the other minister said to him, you didn't have to because Jesus or the Lord made a doctrine out of the laying on of hands. Okay, so let's look at this in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 1 and see what the Bible says about the laying on of hands, okay? So it says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands. So you notice there that uh, the doctrine of, so it's diff these, are, these are the six doctrines of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's six major doctrines that, uh, for the church. So one of the six major doctrines, so notice it says the doctrine of the laying on of hands. So the laying on of hands is actually a doctrine. God made it a doctrine. So what is a doctrine? A doctrine, you can even say it's a system. You can, if there's a doctrine, then that means it's a, there's a systematic way you can teach it out. So you can go through the Bible. So we could say that the Bible has a lot to say about the laying on of hands. Bible has a lot to say about the laying on of hands. It's like, it's a doctrine, first of all. Secondly, if it's a doctrine, there, it means there's teaching about it, systematic teaching. Third, it runs through the entire Bible. And then lastly, if it's a doctrine, we should not abandon it. Okay, so, you know, like sometimes uh, it's easy to abandon things. And sometimes we think, well, uh, we've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, let's move on to something else. You know, and so we don't want to do that with the laying on of hands because it's one of the six basic doctrines in the church and we don't want to abandon it, okay? So with that in mind, the Hebrews, 
the Jews, you know, the Hebrews, whatever, whatever you would call them, the laying on of hands with them was a common thing. So I want to give you a few things to think about this pattern that we start seeing. Uh, you, know, uh, you know how when you're growing up and you, your mother's voice gets in your head? You ever, you, ever, you know, and even for us it was our grandmother's voice too. You know, every time we, my, our grandmother lived for us for a while, and every time we left the house, she, she really liked to try to, she used fear to motivate us. So every time we were going to leave, she goes, you know, watch out now. The police are out there. Make sure you follow the speed limit. You know, it was always something to watch out for, you know. And so, you know, the voice gets in your head. And so there's different things like, so with that in mind, the way the Hebrew culture was, it was common to practice laying on of hands. So think about this now. Because, uh, so look at Exodus chapter 29 and verse 10. It says, bring the young bull to the entrance of the tabernacle where Aaron and his sons will lay their hands on the head. So notice how that starts way back in the book of Exodus where they're laying hands. It's in their culture. And then Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, lay your hand on the animal's head and the Lord will accept its death in your place to purify you making you right with him so notice uh this laying on of hands how it's there it really early with the hebrew people with the people that god spoke to so with this in mind you know they actually had confidence to believe when they laid hands on the animal that their sins and their guilt and all that was transferred onto the animal their culture believed that when laying on of hands happened something happened there was a transfer of something okay so how do, you know how do we want to apply that why am i saying that right now well when you read the bible and you look at the gospels what you see there is when jesus start walking on the earth the hebrew people immediately could hook up with the laying on of hands they understood something because it was in their culture but then now apply application for today in our our world and people born into the countries that we live in there there's no culture for the i mean the only culture for the laying on of hands in 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 today's world in these countries is like you know the laying on of hands i think i told you about the first time i met uh, two aussies you know uh, me and patsy went over to singapore and we were spying out the land to see what the lord was saying about us moving to singapore um, from italy and so we just finished talking to some pastors and things there. We went back to our hotel and got in the elevator. And there's these two Aussie guys, like they're like this tall and big and young. And they were drunk as could be. And, you know, and I used to live that way. And I understand that. And they start staring me down. And, and I thought, well, you know, like I'm 50 about. I think I was about 50 back then or maybe close there. And these young big guys so i immediately looked down at the floor i thought not tonight <laughs> you know <laughs> and when i looked down at the floor they start calling me names in front of my wife you know uh, like and I, don't, I can't say the names but i just kept looking at the floor and thank god the elevator doors open at our floor and i thought i hope they let us off the elevator and we got off the elevator so you know um that was my first thing with Aussies, but Aussies can be rough and tough. And so in this country, you know, the laying on of hands might be something different. So you understand when you talk about it, 
it could mean that people don't know how to hook up with it as quick as the Hebrew people hooked up with it. They were able to do it really quick, okay? So with that in mind in the laying on of hands, it's also described or referred to this way. It could be called the law of contact and transmission, okay? So the law of contact and transmission, that means the contact of hands transmits the healing power of God. Another way to say it is the laying on of hands transmits the power of God, okay? Laying on of hands, can, it can transfer or transmit things. And the Hebrew people could hook up with that quickly. Okay, so whether it's healing, blessing, you know, when Jesus walked on the earth, uh, he actually picked some children up and blessed them. And so you can even bless with the laying on of hands. And then we also know that there's endowments that come from the laying on of hands where people that are put into the ministry can have hands laid on in them and there can be spiritual endowments and we don't want to get into that today, but that's also true with that. But what we want to do today is just help everyone get ready. If you have sickness or pain in your body, we want to help you with the word of God to get ready to have hands laid on you. So like to start off, let's talk about a little contrast going, staying in the Old Testament just for a second here with Elijah and Elisha, okay? So we want to just do a little contrast with these two. So here's the first thing. Elisha, with a J, he began with, a, you know, they both had great ministries. His ministry began with a miracle of judgment, in case you don't know that. Now, then Elisha, with the SH, his ministry began with a miracle of mercy. It's just contrasting those two, okay? And then Elijah, he mirrored the law. Elisha mirrored grace. So they were both, you know, if you do a little comparison on those two, Elisha had twice as many healing and miracles as Elijah did, okay? So that leads us to this scripture in 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse 21 concerning Elisha. And it says, once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders so they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. So Elisha was a type of Jesus, whereas Elijah was more of a type of the law. So here you have Elisha is a type of Jesus, and what you see there is the gracious and merciful power that he walked in. Because he walked in like where Elijah, you know, um, you know, you get somebody like Elijah had a lot of judgment miracles and people were probably afraid when Elijah showed up. Elisha is walking in more and in, in mirroring grace. Uh, when he showed up, people probably thought, I can, be, I can be healed. It was different. He was the type of Jesus. So what you see is that gracious and merciful power that he walked in, it was still in his bones, Okay, so this soldier got in there, and when he touched the bones, he simply received healing. I mean, we don't hear about him again, so, you know, he didn't receive Elijah's, Elijah's mantle, because if he would have, he, there would be something written about him. But what he did receive is he received healing from him. He was healed as soon as he touched the bones of Elisha. Okay, so healing, anointing, and power flowed from the bones so why are we looking at that well uh, well this is the church age and we have to know that power flows through flesh 
power can get into that, you know, like people, you know, myself and you, all of us, we don't realize it, but we have like Holy Ghost power residing in us. You know, your bones, if you're a Christian and you've been walking with the Lord for, you know, your bones have Holy Ghost power residing in them. Your flesh has Holy Ghost power flowing through the flesh, and that's what we see there. So that's just showing us and getting us ready to get into some things here, like with Luke chapter 40 and Jesus. So look at now, Luke chapter 4 and verse 40. It says this, it says, When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. So I've been in meetings, and I think I told you about it. I was in a meeting in Philadelphia many years ago, and there were five people in wheelchairs there, and uh, the minister just said that we're gonna, uh, we're, I'm, I'm going to point my finger at you, and I'm going to say, rise and walk, and when I do, just get up out of your wheelchairs, and he did, and all five of them got up out of their wheelchairs, and they walked uh, really well. And so you see that where there are things like that that happen that nobody touches, okay? Uh, we just heard Sam's testimony, and she used her faith, and her neck cracked, and, and something readjusted in her neck when she spoke and used her authority, and nobody touched her. That, that will continue to happen, but then there is this thing with touch, the law of contact and transmission. And what's very interesting here, Jesus if there was anybody that could have did it differently, it would have been Jesus. Jesus could have done that differently because, I mean, he was, I mean, he, he was amazing. But here's what we want to see. The, the laying on of hands is a doctrine, and Jesus valued it to the fact that he, there was a multitude of people there, and he laid hands on every one of them. You see that. And so, you know, we're not going to move out of that because laying on of hands is one of the basic doctrines of the church and which that means this that when everybody walks out of here your hands have power in them so we're going to lay hands today but this is also the local church is a place to be equipped and so the very thing that happens inside the four walls can go out the door and it can happen out there and we have plenty of it going on and so not only do we have people getting saved here and healed within the, these four in this auditorium, but we have people getting saved and healed because of our church members out there because everyone's equipped to do this. And so uh, Jesus, that's the first thing that we, we see that he valued the laying on of hands. He valued it, and, and God made it a doctrine. And so know this, that mostly everything that happened in the Gospels and the book of Acts, it happened as a result of hands and the mouth. Okay, so Patsy shared a couple weeks ago about uh, the gifts, the spiritual gifts, um, and one of the spiritual gifts is gifts of healings. Okay, so everything of God, everything that God has, it needs to be delivered somehow. And so here's, here's a thought, gifts of healings that is delivered either with your mouth, with authority, or it's delivered with hands. And so when we talk about gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of healings, it's an endowment, and it's delivered with hands. So if we don't use our mouth and we don't use our hands, then we're not going to be delivering things that people really need. 
So that's what we want to see there. Jesus really valued it, and he used his hands. Okay, here's another scripture. Luke chapter 13 and verse 13 says, And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So there again, the law of contact and transmission. Jesus used his hands. He delivered gifts of healings, and there was an immediate change. I'm believing all the time that in this place, and outside this place, when we lay hands on people, there is an immediate change because of the law of contact and transmission. And then look at Acts chapter 14 and verse number 3. It says, this is now leaving Jesus and getting into the book of Acts. It says, therefore they stayed there a long time speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Our hands are vessels for signs and wonders. Our hands are carriers of signs and wonders. The Bible even calls a Christian, the Bible calls Christians' hands holy hands. In other words, they're set apart and God uses our hands. You know, I heard a minister say once jokingly, he said the Bible doesn't say to lay your head on somebody or lay your feet on somebody. Although touch, you know, there was a lady that touched Jesus' clothes and she was healed. But the Bible actually says to lay your hands on people. So our hands contain miracles. Like every, everyone, look at your hands. And can you say this? And you say, my hands contain healings, miracles, signs are in my hands. Power flows through my hands. And that's true with all of us, okay? Now, look at Matthew. Now, we just want to say a few things here, and then we're going to lay hands on anybody that's sick. But Matthew chapter 9 and verse 18, uh, we want to see how people... Remember I talked about the Hebrews and how quickly they could really plug into uh, what Jesus was doing. So look at here in Matthew 9 and verse 18. It says, while he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped worshiped him, saying, my daughter has just died. Now look at, look at how sure he is. Because we want to see, uh, like, how do you prepare yourself to have hands laid on you? Uh, it says, my daughter just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And so what you see there is he, and the Hebrew people could do this quickly because it was in their culture, but they really believed that when Jesus would lay hands on uh, the daughter that's that there was gonna something was gonna happen It's really important to believe that when hands are laid on you something will happen And I think I told it I don't know how many weeks ago that uh, I was in a small church in Colorado one time And I I was teaching on healing in on, on a Sunday morning And then I asked people whoever was if anybody was sick to come on up Well a lady came up and there was only about three to five people that came up uh, to have hands laid on them but I, I laid hands on everybody, and I did not ask them what was wrong. I just laid hands on them. Because here, here's a thought. The Holy Spirit is intelligent. If, if, you believe in the, if you believe God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and if you believe they're one, that means the Holy Spirit is just as intelligent as God. And the Lord told me this one time. He said, my spirit is intelligent, and when hands are laid on somebody, my spirit is intelligent enough to go find the root of the sickness and take care of the sickness from the root. So it doesn't matter whether I know it or not, 
another thought about that is Acts chapter 19 and verse 11, I believe it is, where it says the Lord wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul in so much that that handkerchiefs and aprons were brought and he, he laid hands on them and then they were taken and put on sick people and when they were put on sick people, they, it drove demons out and they were healed without anybody saying anything. The Holy Spirit is intelligent and the Holy Spirit is powerful. So you don't have to declare to whoever lays hands on you what's wrong with you because the Holy Spirit is so intelligent. The Holy Spirit is as, as intelligent as God is. And the Holy Spirit will seek and find and some, in some cases destroy at the root and, uh, and, then other, and then after if something needs, if cancer needs to be destroyed and, and uh, taken care of, but then it'll bring wholeness and healing at the same time. The Holy Spirit can destroy sickness and bring wholeness at the same time. The Holy Spirit's intelligent seeking and finding the root cause of sickness and disease. And that's what the Lord told me about the Holy Spirit a number of years ago, okay? So, um, Going on and, and looking at another scripture, uh, look at Mark chapter 5. We're talking about expectancy here in verse number 28. For she said, if, I, if only I may touch. So notice how this Hebrew lady said, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be made well. There, there was an understanding about touch. We say the law of contact and transmission to make contact means there has to be a touch that goes on. The Hebrew people especially understood that, and they knew that when there was a touch, something was going to happen. So here's, here's even a few thoughts about that. When Jesus was in his hometown, uh, and, and this is where the tall poppy thing started out, way back there in the hometown of Jesus, everywhere that Jesus went, people immediately hooked up with touch. In the hometown of Jesus, they said, well, this is the carpenter's son. You know, he's a carpenter, his father's a carpenter, we know his family. And at that moment then, it hurt their, as, as quickly as they can believe about touch, they struggled with Jesus because they saw him growing up and they just said he's like one of us and he's the carpenter's son and we know him. And so they got taken out of position for something great to happen when Jesus was going to minister to them. So here's the important thing about touch and about what we're talking about. Uh, no matter who lays hands on you, if you think, well, I don't really want to have you lay hands on me, you probably won't be in position for something great to happen when hands are laid on you. And you see that in the Bible. So it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we're talking about how can we get ready today to receive? There's a humbling that needs to take place when we receive with the laying on of hands where we actually humble ourselves. You know, and, and we don't allow anything to hinder us from receiving. So it, it's actually where you believe that when hands are laid on you, not because the person laying hands on you is anything great, not because they're so righteous and they're so perfect, but God chose to use the method of laying on of hands. God chose it. He chose to make a doctrine out of it. And when hands are laid, he chose to flow through flesh and blood imperfect flesh and blood to deliver gifts of healings okay that's what he chose to do and you see it with the lady she said if i can touch his clothes i shall be made well she had a hundred percent confidence that touch would release power and then look at luke chapter 6 and verse 19 
and that's our last scripture for today it says and the whole multitude sought to touch him isn't it interesting these are hebrew people we talked about how their culture was with touch in hands the whole multitude sought to touch him for power went out from him and healed them all so what you see there is there they had a great expectancy and they truly believed that if they could just touch him something would come from him into them and it would make a significant difference they believed they would be made whole so with that in mind uh, here's here's a few things that the lord told me uh, as i was praying about today he said this to me uh, yesterday he said gifts of healings are not to be worked for or strive for because they're gifts and they are free okay so you you get that that none of us here we don't have to work or strive for gifts of healings that's why they're gifts and the greek word actually if you look it up it means free so the first thing that we all have to know today is if you have pain or sickness and you want to come up for hands to be laid on you you don't have to work or strive for that you don't have to do anything spectacular all you have to do is receive that's all you have to do because it's a gift and then the second thing he well that is the second thing this the second thing he told me is the only thing necessary to believe is that power flows through hands into your body it's it's a faith issue it's a faith issue uh, you just believe that when hands are laid on you power is going to flow through hands and into my body and it will heal my body the power flowing into me and then the lord also said this um, don't be afraid to identify yourself in the church and here's what that means because I, I mean this kind of like came to me and i thought do i want to share this today and i thought well it's really helpful because the bible and james says this it says is any sick among you call for the elders and i thought that's actually what it's telling us sometimes people will wait and say well i'll come up if they give a word of knowledge i'll come up and the lord's saying don't be afraid to identify yourself because actually there's the church and then there's the world now when we walk out of here the gifts of the spirit we can use them out in the marketplace at various times the word of knowledge is in operation here and we'll call something out but what the what the bible says to the church is if is there any sick among you let him call and i, I never really noticed that and this happened uh, last i got this during last week i didn't get this praying yesterday but last week the lord was showing me that Christians are to identify themselves when and and it's a humbling in other words like identify yourself is there any sick among you it's okay so call for the elders of the church don't, you don't have to wait for somebody to call you out that's what we see there so there can be times that you get called out but then if you don't get called out just say I'm going to identify myself and I'm going to receive by the laying on of hands in the prayer of faith and that's what we see there okay and then with that said the last couple things then that that uh that happened this morning when i was praying is the lord just said uh joints and backs and then this was a different one it never got this way but a jumpy stomach like your stomach is jumpy it's like active you know moving jumpy or busy stomach you know so i, I don't if that if that's something that your stomach's been busy or jumpy the the lord wants to heal that today <laughs> 
And then uh, one last thing, like, uh, like right in this area here, and kind of like going around a little bit right here, there's somebody that ha has a pain there, so the Lord wants to also heal that this morning. So um, we're going to get ready now to lay hands on the sick, so I'm going to invite the worship team back up here. And as they're coming back, I would, I'd like to invite everyone to just uh, join with me as I, I pray. Father, I thank you so much for everyone that's in this room today, Lord, and we're getting ready to lay hands on anyone that's sick this morning. Father, before we do that, um, thank you so much for coming to heal our physical bodies. But Jesus, you also came to make sure that we are forgiven of our sins and you came to give us eternal life. So Lord, I pray if there is anybody in this room with us right now and they don't know you, Jesus, as Lord. When you walked on the earth, Jesus, you said this. You said it very clearly that you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father except through me. Father, I pray before uh, we dismiss today, if we have anyone with us this morning that they do not know the Father, you gave us the solution. You said, Jesus, Jesus, you said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Father, I just pray that you make that real to everyone in this room, that there is no other way to get to God. There's no other way to get to you except through your son, Jesus Christ. There is only one way. Thank you, Lord, for making that clear. And Father, thank you for the simplicity of the gospel that you said all we have to do is believe in our heart and confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. So Father, thank you for speaking to everyone here this morning and thank you that you make your word truth in their hearts right now. I'd like to invite you to close your eyes now and we're going to pray a prayer. And if you're with us today and Jesus is not your Lord, this is your opportunity to make Jesus your Lord. It's the most important thing that you'll ever do right now is to make Jesus your Lord. I'm going to pray this and you can repeat this after me. And it's really important as you, if you pray this and repeat this that it comes from your heart and you believe every word of it. So let's say this together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus for me. Jesus, thank you so much for coming for me, dying for me, going to hell for me, and being raised from the dead for me. Jesus, you are Lord. I believe God raised you from the dead. You're welcome in my life. You're welcome in my heart. Thank you for loving me. Your love for me makes me want to love you. Thanks for dying for me. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.